Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 8, Episode 23, Making Amends. Mary, what happened this week? Donna's overdose forces her to come clean and stay that way about all of the pill eating and stealing and also if she's fired. But apparently, Noah drove her to it, so we're all mad at him for cheating on her now. Otherwise, Noah is cooperating with the DA to send Josh to prison and also community service, and he finally fills in Val on the details of Valentine's Night so she can get some closure and move on. Speaking of moving on, Steve's been getting some guy named Ted's returned mail at the Beverly Beat office and reading it, and he's decided he's fallen in love with the sender Jill and all of her scented envelopes. He tries too late to let Jill know that her letters aren't reaching their intended recipient, but finds the chance to tell her in person when one last letter arrives to say Jill's coming to meet Ted at a restaurant. What else would any reasonable Steve Sanders do than meet Jill at that restaurant? Sorry, I just said Jill instead of Jill. (laughs) (laughs) What else would any reasonable Steve Sanders do than meet Jill at the restaurant with flowers and pretend to be Ted? Brandon writes an article about Jasper's Law's former Jasper and discovers that David's song might not be as popular as local radio would have us believe. So why is the record label guy trying to give David a house? Brandon can either expose the record label's shady dealings and ruin David's third once-in-a-lifetime chance at this career, or just not do that. Meanwhile, David signs a girl's tummy and saves her from being trampled at his show by squishing her into the floor with his whole body before he decides this record deal isn't for him. Jessica Alba, I mean a pregnant teenager named Leanne, shows up at the Wyatt Clinic about to give birth, but disappears before they can take her to the hospital. Later, Kelly finds the baby in a box outside. I want that baby. Oh my god. I was hoping somebody (laughs) would say that. I want that baby. I, that was very much like donkey vibes from Shrek. I like that's a nice boulder. I like that boulder. <laughs> and I was finishing the episode when John came in from going to the gym and he was just like went off on like uh Parks and Rec. <laughs> just like, I want that mark. I want I want that mark. <laughs> I want that baby. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, this was a wild episode. And I know we say that about every episode pretty much. But like, I think I wrote no less than three times in my notes. What is happening? (laughs) And you know what? Snaps for 90210 for making us say this like 200 plus (laughs) episodes in. You would think by now we had seen everything and we're still just like, and Kelly wants a baby? Right? And, and like, David gets a house? Like, it's... How does David keep stumbling upon houses, is my question. <laughs> right? Like, presumably, we're going to get some resolution on this story. But what, what if he, like, yeah, moves out of Carly's house? Because they're like, oh, well, that lease only had a couple of months left on it. So now I got to move out. So I'm going to move into this one. And then the record deal falls through. And David still stays there because he's like, well, they paid the lease for a year. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, he's just going to stumble into like a two-year lease. <laughs> it's just, it would happen. It absolutely would. Mm-hmm. Okay. But 
on a more serious note, we do have to address like the very first thing that happens in this episode is it's a pretty immediate follow up of last episode where Noah found Donna passed out on the floor. He calls 911 and now he's calling Brandon to let him know what happens so that Brandon can tell the whole group. Mm-hmm. And I. <laughs> okay, so. Vin Diesel and a couple of the other actors from the <laughs> Sorry, I had no idea that was going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's just going to be very delicate with this scene. So she's taking a moment. And then you say, Vin Diesel. <laughs> no, funny enough. The only thing I wrote in my notes about anything that happened around the phone call was just, I can't wait for the Caitlin and Mary know more about hospital shows, the 90210 segment, because I just, they're going to go into a hospital. You guys have to know more than they do. I believe it. (laughs) But what I was going to say about Noah and Brandon and Vin Diesel. (laughs) So a bunch of the actors in the Fast and the Furious movies have clauses in their contracts that they can't lose fights. So, like, yeah. So, like, <laughs> there's – it's happened with The Rock. It happened with Vin Diesel. It happened with Jason Statham. So they just, like, if they ever fight each other, it has to end in a stalemate where they both somehow won. Interesting. Yes. So this is what I'm seeing with Noah and Brandon is if one of yeah. them's going to save the other the day, the other has to be involved in help. Yes. No, a thousand percent agree because like we've talked about, Noah is Dylan and Brandon into one. And basically, if Noah, if his Brandon side is coming out, he Brandon can't let him out Brandon him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> no, it makes absolute sense because like, yeah, Noah's like, okay, I've done the get her to the hospital. Now Brandon's going to call daddy. He's going to call everyone. They're all going to yes. get here. Like. We have not quite an equal footing here, but, like, Dr. Dad deserves to know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, yeah, so basically Noah's all freaked out on the phone, rightfully so. Then we get the immediate wheeling Donna into the hospital and, like, through the hospital, I guess, into the Mm -hmm. whatever room she's going to be in. And I got to admit, I'm surprised that Noah even got that far. Like, he is able to stay by her bed as it's being wheeled, you know, presumably from the ambulance into a hospital. I'm like, bro, you are not family. How'd you get here? That's what I'm saying. Like, the gang just constantly just walks straight Mm -hmm. into hospital rooms and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, if that – perfect segue to my next point because when dr dad gets there every other member of the crew is there i'm like y'all don't need to be here like i I understand you want to be there for your friend but like valerie doesn't need to be here (laughs) yeah i feel like don would wake up and be like why is she here right and like same with steve like i mean no offense to like the history of their friendship but they're not really like that close and dependent like like on their own yeah, I feel like, you know, on the off chance that they were right there and Donna saw them, like, I feel like she'd be like, oh, my God, am I dying? Like, are they right. here for death? Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, probably the only people that really need to be there are probably Noah and Kelly. Well, and Dr. Dad, Pretty but, much. like, of the group. Like, 
Kelly best yeah. friend, Noah boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, speaking of that, Dr. Dad literally just walks like straight into the room that they're working in. I was like, mm-hmm. do you need to wash your hands or something? Like, where'd you come from? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know if it was this scene and I didn't write it down, but I just remembered. So when Dr. Dad is there, he's like faced away from Donna's hospital room. So he's talking to, I guess, Noah and the rest of them. And I think it was mm-hmm. the scene because this is where they reveal like Donna was taking uppers and downers. Dave was like, you let her take uppers and downers. No surprise with you being on trial for rape. Like blah 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 i'm like whoa when did you become an expert in drugs and trauma like i guess trauma sure but <laughs> well and, he was like, and kind of drugs well but m- orange juice drugs not like <laughs> street drugs right like anyway and we learned josh was the one with the hypnol or like everybody learns that and i swear to you if you look past dr dad's face in the room that donna is in there is an extra in the back cracking up laughing <gasps> oh my like, god having the time of her life it is a split second but i'm like all right she didn't hear action <laughs> she didn't know that they were filming this <laughs> oh my god i have to go back and look this is so early in the episode i'm going to do it i feel like it was this scene or the scene immediately after like cracking up no, I bet I could buy it for this scene because they were probably just like, whatever, everything up here is good enough. Or maybe they didn't even notice it because so much is happening in the foreground. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which, okay. I also have a question here because it seems like everyone is in shock that Donna has been taking all of these pills, but she openly took pills in front of Kelly and snapped at her mm-hmm. repeatedly. And Kelly's sitting here being like, oh my God, she was taking pills? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like they were... they were totally fine seeing her take pain pills for a back problem but not clocking her behavior when she wasn't able to take the pills Mm -hmm. or when she quote-unquote needed them more right Mm -hmm. and then of course (laughs) sorry i had to Mary just held up a screenshot of Kelly going, I should have seen it coming. (laughs) Which I wrote in my notes. Yes, you should have. Like, because, oh my God, we're so close to that scene. But yeah, it's like, why didn't anybody see this coming? Like, everybody's so surprised that maybe it's because Donna's personality is like the last person they would think would ever be addicted to pain pills or overdose on something. But yeah, mm-hmm. they act like this is brand new information when they didn't just like openly see her do it. Repeatedly. Like, I'm pretty sure David has also seen her do it. Like, mm-hmm. it blows my mind. Well, and like, but- I didn't love that Dr. Dad was like making jokes with Donna. Like, they say like they pumped her stomach. She can be released in a few hours. Dr. Dad is like making jokes about stuff. but And then they immediately go to... Well, I'm going to prescribe you some antidepressants and you're going to get some counseling and la la la. And Donna's like, I'm not an addict. I'm like, uh, yeah, you are. This is addictive behavior. I think that's the thing is like she says this repeatedly to everybody that would honestly know this. Like she's seen Mm -hmm. the signs from everybody else at some point. 
I think like pretty soon after this is when Kelly goes in and talks to her in her room. And it's the same thing where Kelly's like, you need the help. You're an addict. And she's like, no, I'm Mm -hmm. not. And I just want to be like, Mm -hmm. Kelly took a bunch of Coke. Like, exactly. And I did like, like, I know like in that moment when she's like, I should have seen this coming. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you absolutely a thousand percent should have. I did actually kind of like when Kelly referenced her rehab Mm -hmm. and shared with her like during this time like you need to find out who brings out your strengths and who brings out your weaknesses and I was like I kind of like that and I love that they called it back because this is I mean it's it's a little late but this is the kind of information and the kind of insight that would have been very helpful to Donna before this all happened but I'm glad Mm -hmm. it's here now yeah exactly like this is exactly what happens. Kelly has some really terrible episodes and then she does something like this where she can sit by Donna's bedside and say all of this really helpful information Mm -hmm. and just, you know, basically tell her like straight up, like, look, if you being with Noah led to you doing these drugs, you need to make a decision here. Right. Well, and I wonder what the implications are for like, future state because obviously like now we've established that Donna not only has addictive behavior she also admits to Dr. Dad that she's really good at keeping a secret mm-hmm. so I-, I would never put it past 90210 to then make that part of her character and part of like upcoming storylines to like I don't think she would cheat on people because like I just I think yeah. that precedent has been established but there's got to be some other secret that they're going to, like, write into her storyline for the next season and a half that mm-hmm. she just absolutely keeps from everybody. Well, and there's also the part that, like, she admits to her dad that she stole from him and you can see the way mm-hmm. that his, like, face changes. So I think you were talking earlier about how he was, like, making jokes and it was a very weird Mm-hmm. vibe with dr dad and then when she, he finds out that she stole from him he's so hurt so like i really honestly hope that all of this is setting up future stuff like i want to see yeah. some development here from what happened yeah same um i did think it was kind of funny that val showed up with flowers for donna like yeah i wrote that I down mean- too i was like uh, Val asked for an update and she brought flowers? <laughs> yeah, but okay, this whole scene was also kind of weird for me because mm-hmm. she walks up to Noah and they have this, you know, brief conversation about how they're both working together with the DA to go after Josh, like very mm-hmm. clearly wrapping up the Josh part of the storyline in this episode. Like we're just going to breeze right through it and resolve it and move on. But then she yeah. tells Noah – that she thinks she owes him an apology, but she's not sure what for. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I, no, I'm with you. Like, I thought it was weird. But I also, the only thing I liked about it was that it shows that Val is still, com- like, extremely conflicted about because she doesn't know what happened, right? She doesn't know. She doesn't remember. She doesn't. Know, nobody has outright outright told her 
like told her their side of the story but also one that's believable right because there's mm-hmm. been so many like stories from josh and so many like assumptions from the attorneys and like stuff like that so i think the only thing i liked about it was that val had a feeling right she was like something is sitting with me but i don't know what to do with it and i don't know if it's mm-hmm. right and so i can appreciate her honesty and like candor about it all because she's like I feel like I should apologize but like why would I you know it's like she's Mm -hmm. saying her thoughts out loud so it's weird but I kind of didn't hate it no and that's a good point and it it does show that she's working to get over her feelings and like trying to actually dig in and address what's going on Mm -hmm. in her brain and this like missing piece of the puzzle Mm -hmm. so I can appreciate that because I would much rather have that than have her kind of like emotionally get over everything at the same speed mm-hmm. that they're trying to push through the Josh piece of things. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. So while everybody is at the hospital, not everybody, but you know, Donna, Kelly, uh, Noah, David is with Frank. Mm-hmm. That's his name, Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is with Frank looking at a new quote-unquote bungalow. (laughs) I love that the houses are called bungalows. Like, that's just (laughs) kind of cute to me. But Frank is, like, really trying to sell this amazing, glamorous lifestyle of limos and private planes, and he's going to date all these models, which is hilarious because David literally has a girlfriend right now, and I feel like Frank is pushing too far there. Yeah. But then when David is less than enthusiastic about it and – He's like, well, one of my friends OD'd, and Frank is just like, and? Yeah. Like, okay, bold move here. Like, literally bold move. What are you doing? Well, and it's like, I couldn't tell if it was because he's just so used to this quote-unquote rock star lifestyle, so he just assumes that's, like, just part of it. Yeah. Or he's so focused on getting commission or his paycheck or whatever that he's, like, Okay, cool. Get get your words out. Let's move on. No, I was definitely the first one. I was waiting for him to be like, my dude, you are going to meet so many people that will OD in this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And like maybe that was going to be the thing that pushed this story along. But no, because after that, David is just like, you know what, Frank? Thank you for helping me make one of the best decisions in a long time. Mm-hmm. Which is just so skeezy. It is. And it's like, it's, when he says, like, when he thanks him for pulling him over to his side, I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah. So you, not only do you recognize that there are sides, now you also fully recognize you are on the dark side without even, like, really knowing it's the dark side. And that's what dangers, or, like, it, it kind of, like, it worries me a little bit because David has never been able to distinguish between what is right and what is wrong or maybe not what's right and wrong, but who's right and who's wrong. Because Mm. think about the loan shark and think about like the radio producer that got him into meth. Like he just, he, I don't know if it's like a sense of like, he's just so naive or he's too trusting. I don't know what it is. He, like, gets distracted by somebody dangling something in front of his face. And he's like, oh, well, you must have good intentions. You know, I was thinking about this in, I think it's a later scene 
or maybe it was somewhere else. Like it might have actually been here because when he gets excited about things, you know, like David gets excited. So I was wondering yeah. like maybe this has something to do with his uh, bipolar disorder. Mm. Like yep. maybe it has to – like he – yeah, somebody is dangling this thing in front of him and talking about private planes and limos and yeah, maybe he's just like getting really excited. I don't really know how that works, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Every time he gets really happy about something, yeah, I guess I get nervous about David going the wrong way. Totally. No, I'm with you on that, which mm-hmm. is a really good segue – sort of not in the front of this next scene but the the end of it but we go to the Beverly Beat and Brandon informs Steve that Donna's going to be released this afternoon and then we get this stupid comment about Steve blaming Terry for making a mistake why would you keep Terry's name out of your mouth sir she was the best assistant slash manager slash do-it-all woman you are you barely survived without her. Oh, they didn't survive. I'm <laughs> convinced. No, I I hate this whole story with oh my God. Steve and Jill and whatever. Like <laughs> I wrote it's- in here, I was like they're playing that guitar music behind Steve, which basically tells me he's going to do something very stupid. And that was, like, oh basically all I got out of this. Right? Because, like, you know, I think Mary went ahead and said it in the, in the synopsis, but, like, Janet walks over, brings over some mail because basically Steve blamed Terry for not forwarding the mail properly from the previous tenant. And because Steve is Steve, he's been reading all of the mail. And I literally wrote, so this week's other storyline is going to be Steve falling in love with a pen pal. That's where we are right now like we did not need this at all well where's officer tammy i need her to come arrest him real quick seriously for being a dumbass (laughs) and committing an actual crime right that too literally (laughs) brandon says it doesn't he he's like this is a felony Mm -hmm. and he's just like whatever (laughs) okay I just – and also when you just made the comment like Steve is going to fall in love with someone as a pen pal like through letters. No, I don't believe that. I do not believe that Steve can write a letter. Right. Exactly. Like I was inaccurate with my assumption that this would be a pen pal situation. It's worse. It's somehow worse. <laughs> I just – yeah, I have very little care for this storyline. Mm-hmm. It's like Steve is just – Biding his time for something else to come up, so I'm just gonna move right past him. Exactly. I don't even care. Because well, yeah. actually, yeah, uh Brandon is continuing mm-hmm. the David Silver saga at the Beverly Beat, which is mm-hmm. so funny to me that mm-hmm. we're like continuing this. Interesting, and I do think it fits Brandon, like if he needs to fill space and he's got an almost famous friend. Makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And this part of it, part two of the rise and rise of David Silver or whatever they called it, he's going to go talk to Jasper of Jasper's Law, original Jasper, who already has a new band. They're already yeah. playing new music. I love it. I love it so much. It was so fast. <laughs> and he 
pretty much insinuates immediately that there was bribery or something involved with getting David's song, David's version of the song, whatever, on the mm-hmm. radio so many times, which I get that that's a bad thing to do, but it really sounds yeah. like they just paid one local radio station. Like, Yes, exactly. That's kind of where like, it bumped me a little bit too because I was like, but why? Like, w- like, why pay this one radio station, to your point, extra money to get a bunch of playtime for a brand new person? Yeah, I mean, there's got to be something where this was an issue. I mean, this is, like, right around a boy band girl power pop mm-hmm. time, so maybe there was, like, evidence of this happening in the real world, but... It just seemed really localized and low level considering that like recently Brandon has taken down a pimp getting teens high and then beating them and then the sweatshop like he's doing some big things and now we've got like giant corporation pays off one small guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. But – I was very excited that we were getting Investigator Brandon. Oh, like, same. Nothing yeah, makes me happier. I don't even care really what story it is. I just like when he has a purpose outside of his relationship with Kelly, you know, or trying oh. to white knight everybody else. Like, this is when Brandon is a good character, is when he's mm-hmm. doing something for real. Yeah, when when he gets that Brandon face on and he's like, that's a pretty big uh, accusation. Do you have anything yeah. to back it up? I was ready. I was like, yes, let's do it. Let's go. But let's also, take down Frank. But also when he says that and Jasper like kind of laughs and is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, and that those... even makes it better. Yeah. It's the fact that Brandon is just like, oh, there's no evidence behind this accusation. I can do it. Right? I can still find it. <laughs> and it's it's very much like that Friends episode where Joey wants to uh, get Monica's forgiveness so that they can come in for Thanksgiving. He's like, I can do it. And they're all like, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. Brandon's like, I can solve this. I'm like, I think he can. I think he can too. We have no reason to think otherwise. No. And – we jump around a little bit. We're like at that part of the episode where we have to establish a bunch of things. So mm-hmm. we go over to the clinic where Jessica Alba shows up in a very big sweater. And she's so baby. She's so teeny. She's so little. Ugh. I was so excited when I saw her name in the opening credits. I was like, Jessica Alba, is it time? <laughs> I have been waiting because that's like one of the main things I knew about this show was that Jessica Alba had been on it and she would have been Mm -hmm. the only one I would have recognized because I don't know. She was in everything when I was a teenager. Right. Exactly. And she's one of the most like purely beautiful people on this planet. Oh, my God. She's gorgeous. She was so cute in this scene, but she's in labor. She's like a month early. So she freaks out, and when Kelly goes to get the doctor, she actually bails, mm-hmm. which is like, man, this clinic must be struggling if they don't even notice yeah. a pregnant teenager, like, waddling out in pain. Right, exactly. 
Well, and like kind of continuing on that, like she disappears. Kelly obviously like freaks out. And then later that evening, when it's time to lock up the clinic and time to, you know, for everybody to go home, Kelly's like closing the door, locking the door, and there's a baby in a box right outside the clinic. And obviously we know it was Jessica Alba's, but it is wild. The I mean, I know they can't literally put like a day old or 12 hour old baby in a box at on a show. But just thinking of like pretending that that baby was like a few hours old. I'm like, oh, my God. It freaked me out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I swear this like six month old babies pretending to be newborn babies was like half yeah. the reason as a teenager. I was like, I'm never having children. That's <laughs> right. No, that's what comes out of you. <laughs> No, I I have a lot of issues about this baby story that we will get to literally mm-hmm. in the next tomorrow morning scene. Mm-hmm. But I also do want to point out that when Kelly goes to get Dr. Martin, he has called Felice oh. to tell her what happened with Donna because earlier they said they weren't going to call her because she's in Greece or Rome, Rome or something. Mm-hmm. And – that whole time that they said that, they were like, oh, no, we'll just tell her when she gets back so she doesn't have to worry. It's like, no, that's not how that works. Yeah, no, not at all. No. <laughs> like, she's already kind of a nightmare. Imagine when she gets home and finds out that you did this. You kept this from mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. So I really just appreciated this short moment where Dr. Martin called Felice and you heard him do it. Yep. Yep. And uh. they're, like, arguing about whether or not Donna should come, you know, and stay with them for a while. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Which Dr. Martin also had a good point that he was just like, you were at your apartment when this happened and no one was there. To, like, you almost mm-hmm. died. You could mm-hmm. have died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's also another scene where this night David has apparently taken Val to the bungalow And he has the keys so they can go inside. And he wants to go inside and do a very specific thing. And Val is just not ready for sex Mm -hmm. yet. Like, Mm -hmm. you can even see it. She looks like she's barely ready to kiss. Right. And, oh, she says probably, like, the most heartbreaking thing of the episode where she's like, how come I can't forget a night I don't even remember? And I just – I'm going to gush about Tiffany Thiessen real quick because I think that Beverly Hills did not know what they got when they signed Tiffany Thiessen to Valerie Malone. Like, we talk about how the women of this show carry the emotional scenes and they kill it and they just completely commit. And we talked about it with Tiffany Thiessen in, you know, several episodes ago when she was right the aftermath of, of the assault. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how she does it. She, like, goes from being so manipulative and so fun and so, like, diabolical. And it's it's just such – it's so much fun. Like, we love her for so many reasons. And then she turns it on a dime and makes you feel things. And hits you right in the gut. And I'm just like, I'm always in awe of her. Always. Constantly. And I'm like, I need to know you in real life because I need to know if you're pulling anything. Like, you know, what are what are you really are you more like diabolical Val? Are you emotional Val? Are you somewhere in the middle? Are you Kelly Kapowski? Who are you? 
I mean, I think that's exactly what I love so much about her is she just has this range. Like, you don't get to see Steve have much of a range of anything. Like, if we mm-hmm. see him feel emotion besides shame and, like, the sadness of a girl breaking up with him, yeah, I'd be shocked. Like, we never see yeah. anything else. Or I, I guess know. Steve Sanders has no shame, so. Right. <laughs> but, but that's, like, like even – even Jason, like, I mean, you know, Brandon gets some good stuff, but I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's not the same. I just feel mm-hmm. like Jenny and Tiffany and when Shannon was on the show, they were just in a whole other, like, park, right? Like, they were just mm-hmm. on a completely different playing field. And it's just, and it's not that they, all the rest of them are bad actors by any stretch of the imagination because I think they're all fantastic. Except for Colin. Colin was bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's just different. It's like there's clear there's clearly an upper echelon that some of these actors are on and the other actors are are great too. It's just it's mm-hmm. just so different. Like seeing Val in these scenes, it just breaks my heart and yeah, it was just that one line. It was just that one line. I'm just truly, I'm so glad that she's taking, like, her, her entire purpose this episode is to process what happened to her. Yes. Like, and I'm putting it together now after mm-hmm. watching it this morning and, like, you know, thinking about it then, I was just like, oh, well, it doesn't make any sense that she showed up at the hospital with flowers. And it's like, okay, eh. But it gets Mm -hmm. her to the hospital where Noah is to send her on this journey. So, like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm fine with it. Because realistically, Noah's not leaving the hospital. Right. Exactly. But okay. Let's get back to this baby because I have so (laughs) much to talk about. Because, okay, the next morning we get to the beach apartment. Kelly has the baby. And Brandon is bringing over baby supplies. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay – This baby is presumably a newborn at most two days old. I kind of lost track of how old the baby was supposed to be, like how many Mm -hmm. days had passed. But, you know, at most, this baby is 48 hours old, not in a hospital. It was left in a box outside for who knows how long. Like, Kelly doesn't have this baby. This baby goes to the hospital. Right. Right. Realistically, yeah. No, you take this baby to make sure everything is medically fine. Not just like, yeah, I'm going to a beach apartment where I literally have no supplies for a baby. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Dr. Martin checked the baby out. I'm like, okay, the baby is a premature newborn. Like, this is technically neonatal, I think, depending on, you mm-hmm. know, how newborn it is. I don't know. I'm making things up. But Dr. Dad is a heart surgeon. He is not a baby doctor. Right. And – this also means that Kelly drove that baby home without a car seat. It was driving me nuts. Like she never, she's always just holding the baby. I'm like, you don't <laughs> yeah. have a Bjorn. You don't have a car seat. Where did the baby sleep? Did you just put a newborn baby in the middle of your bed? And it's like, good night, baby. Hope I don't roll over. <laughs> like, what did you do? I'm really curious where the baby was even born. Yeah. Because yeah. – it seems like Leanne has kept this secret the entire time. So it's like, where did she have the baby? When did she get out of the hospital with the baby? 
Like, because that would also be an extremely fast turnaround to be like, I'm at the clinic in labor. I presumably go somewhere to have the baby and then can leave said baby somewhere else, like, and go home. Yeah, because it's not even just that the baby needs medical attention. It's that she gave birth in the last day and she's just like able to carry the baby in the box. It, right. And leave. Like, I'm choosing to believe okay. this baby was born in like an office supply store across the street and has been just put in a banker's box and delivered. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, what if she just, like, crawled in a, you know, ambulance and was just, like, give me some help here and then, like, drop me off 10 blocks down. I'll be fine. Like, right? <laughs> she just, I don't understand how this worked. I know she's a teenager and they're more spry than I am. I went for, like, a three-mile <laughs> run today and I'm in so much pain. Like, <laughs> I have nothing on a healthy 16-year-old, but, like... I have so many problems with the baby. It makes no sense to me. I'm really furious about it. And just this idea that Kelly is wandering around constantly holding it. Like, well, and it's like Brandon comes over with formula and a six pack of diapers that will get them through two hours. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah. I I can only assume that she stopped and bought a bunch of stuff and then was like, Brandon, I bought 24 diapers and they're gone already. He's like, oh, here's six. (laughs) This is proof that you guys are not ready. You cannot have that baby. I know you want that baby. You can't have that baby. Well, and Brandon clearly doesn't know how to hold a baby, which, I mean, fair. Like, he probably hasn't held a baby before. And Kelly's just rattling on about how the mom deserves a second chance. Like, she flip-flops so much in this episode on her opinions on the mom, the baby, the process, the foster, the, like, all of it. Like, she flip-flops so I was I was having whiplash. I could not keep up with her opinions. And Literally, this. Yeah. And then, of course, like, add in the very clear <clears throat> emotional element of the fact that they Kelly and Brandon almost had a baby, but Kelly had a miscarriage. So, mm-hmm. ugh. Liquid IV is the category winning hydration brand fueling your well being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out. And on long flights, like coming to visit me in Amsterdam. And really everything you just mentioned benefits me. I genuinely feel better after using Liquid IV. I'm refreshed, I'm hydrated, and I feel like I can conquer the day just like Brandon Walsh. Or Volleyball Steve. (laughs) I especially love the new flavor Seaberry, especially during the summer so I can pretend like I'm on a tropical island. Or I'll go with an iconic classic like the Beverly Beach Club, with a lemon-lime flavor while I'm waiting for the grunions to run. Also, it's pretty neat that Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code 90210. That's 90210. At checkout. 
That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code 90210 at liquidiv.com. And that's all we get for a minute. It's basically just introing like, Kelly has the baby. Don't worry, audience. The baby's fine. We're going to go figure out. Also, it feels like an assumption that it is Leanne's. Like, what if she showed up and Leanne was like, no, that's not my baby. Yeah. Like, what if she had, like, yeah, what if she goes to Leanne's house and Leanne is still pregnant and those those labor contractions were those, like, Braxton Hicks ones where it's, like, false labor. Mm. Like, yeah, what if this had not been Leanne's baby? It's so weird that she just jumps to it's Leanne's baby and that she's right. The story sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. One other and- thing just about this real quick that I'll explode if I don't say it. I love Kelly's pattern of behavior that she refuses to call social services whenever she finds a child. Right? Yeah. It did what, feel very um, real to me. What was the kid's name that – because he was so cute. Billy? He was the one – Billy sounds right. My brain says Rusty, but that's not right. <laughs> but no, he was the one know. from Little Rascals, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was like, no, we, we won't do that. We're going to call your mom because moms deserve second chances, apparently, in this. Uh, yeah. That's at least consistent for now. <laughs> yeah. Kelly is projecting mm-hmm. furiously. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we get another, like, couple of quick scenes, I feel like, personally, because we find out that Josh was charged with misdemeanor drug possession. He'll get a year in jail or 250 hours of community service, which you know he's getting, like, 100 hours total. Like, he's not actually doing these things. But Noah comes to tell Val this, and – Asks her to take her job back at the pee pad. And I really appreciate, again, now that we figured out, now that I understand what the story is for her, that, like, she's upset by this. That he's trying to, like, move back to normal so fast. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting here like, no, she's right. There is is a new normal. We're not going back to normal. She needs time. Well, and the fact that then Noah calls them both victims and – I understand that Josh allowed Noah to potentially take the fall for Josh's actions. However, mm-hmm. Noah is not blameless in this whole situation, and we have established that over and over. So the fact that Noah still views himself as a victim, or at least at least uses that line to explain away closure or processing or whatever. I'm just like, we're not the same. Like you and Val are not the same here and you need to respect that. Like, sure. It might be okay for you to move on and go back to quote unquote normal and like nothing happened. But for Val, she has a completely separate experience, and you were the one that caused it. So why don't you go back to your pee pad, go do whatever you need to do, and let Val do what she needs to do. You do not – the two of you are not mutually exclusive in getting things back to normal. Mm -hmm. It is very interesting the end of my rant for that. (laughs) No, but it's fair. I mean, if they're going to give – 
Val all of this time for her to figure herself out and figure out how she needs to feel about that night. I think Noah deserves that as well. Like, well, and and if that means getting things back to quote unquote back to normal, then that's fine. Just don't drag Val into it. Yeah, that's. I think we we all need to acknowledge that like we need to go in different places. I do really wish we got to see Noah do a little more. I mean, yeah, me too. I don't know. He's like burying his feelings, but and then. We also have to go to the pe- or the Beverly Beat mm-hmm. where, I don't know, Brandon wants to keep going down the David Song rabbit hole. And once again, Steve is just like, well, I don't really see what the problem is with bribing a local radio station to play your song a bunch. And yeah. Then, and then they have this moment, which I just couldn't get over, where Steve says, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. And Brandon responds to that with take up thy bed and walk, which is a quote from the Bible. Yeah. It was just so weird. It it was very weird, but I kind of loved that that was then a bit for the rest of the scene because even Janet hops on. So it was kind of funny because like for some reason, Janet is enabling Steve reading the mail like, I don't understand that part, but she's like, here's a licorice smelling letter. And Brandon's like, purge, Brother Sanders, purge, and you shall be free. <laughs> I don't know why I sounded a little Irish there. But <laughs> and then, like, Stevens up saying, like, yeah, maybe I will tell her the truth. And Brandon's like, honesty, an unusual policy for you. Fair. And then Janet Fair. hops on with, like, you, you know, the the sl- the lingo that you know Brandon was just using so it was just kind of fun for the bit but yeah it was such a weird moment I get the feeling that Janet is like very clearly like it- it's in I just work here in the sense of like <laughs> yeah I'm not I'm not gonna get involved in the two of you bickering at each other but like I do have to work here so like I'm gonna hand you the licorice scented letter and then I'm gonna back up exactly yeah a hundred percent. Like she's like, I will be as involved as I think I need to be. <laughs> yes. Which is like the perfect amount to keep the story going. And she just understood the assignment. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So then Donna goes back to work and it's kind of weird to me. I mean, you don't have to tell your boss why you're missing work or maybe Donna OD'd on a weekend. So she just never missed work. I'm not really sure. But yeah. Like, the boss is, like, absolutely ready for her to get back, and she is, like, ready to do her amends. She wants to tell him the truth that she stole from Danielle. And I loved the boss. Just, like, he is so oblivious to oh how God, upset Donna is. Right? But he's, yeah, he's just like, oh, Danielle quit. She didn't like working for a company that didn't appreciate her. And I just wanted to be like, I have been calling you toxic since I met you. Like, justice for Danielle. Get out. Yes. Exactly. And, like, the boss even calls Danielle a flake. And, yeah, it points to what everything you just said about him being completely oblivious and toxic. Mm-hmm. No, he's horrible up until the point where she tells him what happened. She admits to stealing Danielle's designs. And then she asks for another chance. And he's literally just like, no, you're fired. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can't. I can't do that. (laughs) 
Like, and truly, this really may have just ruined her career because this company has fired her twice. Yeah, exactly. For, like, kind of legitimate reasons both times. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I well, kind of then, actually... Like, go ahead. I was just going to... I kind of actually love that the majority, if not the entire gang, is unemployable except by themselves. Right. Exactly. Like, what is it about them that they can't just get a regular job? And it's because, like, the show would not exist. I mean, we talk all the time in other shows about how it's, like, people always show up to each other's work and they never actually work the full, like, nine to five or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, because it's a show. Like, I just love that Kelly even got a job outside of the gang, and then Dr. Martin became the head of the clinic. Exactly. But, yeah, we are just, like, jumping around, and we have to go to Brandon, back down following the David storyline. He has found some guy from the radio station. I did not write down who this man is or what he does. I don't know that we found out. Yeah, I don't know that they said. He's just... He's he's radio station man, and Brandon is asking him about a financial incentive to play the song because the other stations didn't play it as much, and I cannot imagine how boring Brandon having to look through radio station history was back mm. in this time. Mm-hmm. But he finally gets the guy to admit off the record that they were encouraged to play the song. Right. And now I'm looking through – sorry, I'm just, I did want to see if we got uh, Manny. Would that have been him? Quite possibly. Because the actor does not have a picture on IMDb, so that doesn't bode well. But outside of that, there's no other person that fits the bill. So this guy had to have been named Manny, and he worked at a radio station. He was likely the producer or something like that. I really hope his name was Manny, and they realized, like, they didn't name the character. So they were like, you're man E. <laughs> Love it. I just hope. Literally, I was just like, radio station guy. Guy admits this. He asks guy mm-hmm. this. I had no idea. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, and and all in all, it seems like basically Brandon is hitting dead ends because he keeps talking to people who claim to not know any of the details. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably for the best for those people because the less they know, the better because then it doesn't they, – they can't incriminate themselves. But it's mm-hmm. uh, not looking good for investigative journalist Brandon. Mm-mm. Although – you know, I feel like we can talk a little bit more about him before we talk about the Kelly stuff because mm-hmm. after he has this coffee with this guy, he goes to see David who is – they're recording him play his song at a club so that they can use that footage later. Why it's not at – oh, it's not at the pee pad because the pee pad is closed because of yeah. Noah being on trial. Got it. I had been spending this whole time – I was like, why are we here? Is Loose Lizards a thing? <laughs> I googled it. it uh, loose lizards gets you a lot of stories about like alligators. 
<laughs> Reptiles yeah. on the loose. <laughs> I literally – I Googled loose lizards LA and it was just all these stories about like man in Louisiana has alligator in his backyard again. Oh my god. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean is that really unusual behavior in Louisiana? No. I don't know. Not at all. Not at all. But yeah. Okay. So uh, Brandon goes to see David and – Tells him in front of Frank that he has, you know, an idea that this happened. And David mm-hmm. still doesn't see the problem here. He is just like, no, I'm famous. Like, this doesn't seem like a bad thing for me. We just need to get it on the radio. Yeah. Well, and like what was weird too, like what was weird too is like you would think Brandon would – or David would trust Brandon over this new guy who has already screwed over one of his other friends. Mm-hmm. So – it just felt a little weird to me. Yeah. It, I mean, it has to all boil down to the fact that David is just like completely blinded by the mm-hmm. fame because this girl comes up to them and asks him to sign her stomach. <laughs> and I feel like this has happened before where we're like, David has released one song. Yeah. And people are in love with him. And like, uh-huh. it's not, there's no music video yet. So it's only playing. A lot on this one local radio station. Yeah. So it's like, A, how did anybody even know what David looks like outside of his one performance with Jasper's Law at the After Dark? And then number two, how did they know his name either? Because he's been part of Jasper's Law. It's not like they said, and that's lead singer David Silver of the band Jasper's Law playing on KWLA TV or no radio. But (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're like, he's 5'9", he has brown hair, and is real skinny, and, <laughs> like, they didn't release details. I fully assumed that they hired this woman and was shocked to find out that was not the case. <laughs> same. No. Same. <laughs> but... No, it's a whole thing. And also, she asked him to sign her stomach in black Sharpie while she's wearing a white T-shirt. She can never put that T-shirt down again. Exactly. She walked away and her, her like, shirt was all pulled up still. And I'm like, yep, that's, that's – I live here now. <laughs> yeah, that's you for the rest of the day, baby. Get over yep. it. Yep. <laughs> you made mistakes. But no. And Frank tells Brandon, he's like, look, if you write a story about this, which we learn later is called a payola scheme, mm-hmm. you'll ruin David's career. Mm-hmm. Which, fair, I mean, if this record label is willing to shell out all of this money for him and he's only recorded one song technically, like, it seems like, yeah, they're not willing to have let all that money go to waste. So that's where they are. Kelly still has the baby. Mm -hmm. She's just holding it while she's at work. (laughs) She's literally just walking around holding this baby on her hip. It bothers me so much. She should have found a sling somewhere. Someone had one. The clinic maybe had one. I don't know. Or just like a little bassinet type situation. Like at a clinic, you would think they would have something like that. You would think there would be something. Like it's bad. I'm literally thinking of like when you go to a shelter to adopt a cat and they give you a carrier to take the cat. (laughs) Because you need Just one to the keep baby them in safe. A carrier. In <laughs> okay, but like that's better than just carrying it. Yeah, no, it's true. And, <laughs> and then they didn't have to have a baby actor the whole time because there was that was yeah. a live baby more often than not. And that baby was good. That baby was so oh. well behaved. That baby, that baby was, was better than Steve in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
truly, that baby didn't cry once when we yep. saw it. Yep. And it's weird because, like, the scene starts with Dr. Martin talking to Kelly about Donna's situation and, like, they're having this weird parallel about how yeah. a teenage mother's behavior is unacceptable and yep. Kelly's behavior is unacceptable. And well, he and Kelly's also- like living and dying by the people deserve second chances right now. Mm-hmm. And because that's kind of her argument to Dr. Dad about Donna. But he's kind of like, okay, sure, but literally this is a baby and we have to do what's best for the baby and kelly's saying the same thing but they're disagreeing on what's best for the baby yeah kelly really has it in her mind that a baby needs its mother like it has to be a like female mother is what Mm -hmm. this baby needs Mm -hmm. and she gets leanne's address which Again, if Leanne has been hiding this pregnancy for eight months, she didn't give her real address at a clinic. This is not right. how this works. Exactly. But Kelly walks up to this nice house. This woman opens the door and Leanne comes down. She's just walking around, having a jolly old time, <laughs> gave birth mm, two days ago. I literally uh, at this point yeah. – at this point in the episode, my notes are like, how many days has it been? There's just no way to me that this girl feels okay enough to do all of this. Mm-hmm. But she admits at this point that she hid her pregnancy. She's like, it was – by the time I found out, it was too late to do anything, so I was just wearing big sweaters. My mom doesn't know. And she says her mom is a nightmare and that she can't take this baby At which point I really thought Kelly would maybe be like, oh, if there is like a toxic parent in this household, she's right and I need to take the baby to welfare. But no, instead she gets pissed that Leanne won't take the baby, goes back to the Wyatt Clinic and says if the girl is old enough to have sex, she's old enough to take the responsibility of raising a baby. And I was just like, oh no, Kelly, I know who you are in this current era. In 2023, mm-hmm. we know who Kelly is. Mm-hmm. Well, we assume. Because, again, yeah. there's so much emotional projection here that – and there's so much so much flip-flopping between, mm-hmm. you know, the beginning of the storyline to the end that it just – because there are some lines where I'm like, wait, that doesn't add up. Constantly. What you said isn't what you did, and what you did isn't what you said. No, I think what it like pretty continuously comes down to in this episode for me is that Kelly is being selfish and not thinking about the baby and that upsets right. me. Right. But then we see a very familiar face. I was shocked. I was so shocked when Pam showed up. She comes in like with the energy. That same energy was when she was like uh Talking about, like, these women on the streets with a crack of cane or, like, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, fam. This is who we needed. <laughs> I was so Talk ha- some she's sense just, like, into these people. <laughs> and she was, like, rapid fire talking, too. She was like, I'm going to get all my information out. Don't you worry. I left the Wyatt Foundation two months ago. Which, was Kelly not at her goodbye party? That's a little sad. <laughs> I know. But she has joined child welfare and 
she basically gives us this little bit of information where they take the baby, put him into foster care, and then if nothing changes, he'll go into a formal open adoption pro- process. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it was the state. Like the his mother has a chance to come back and get him from the foster family up to a year, yes. which is yes. also bananas. Like I yeah. am learning so much about – time and like how long it takes for processes and I'm just shocked well and like I think for me it's still like okay but isn't that really confusing and bad for the child right like to not and and I don't want (sighs) to obviously there are asterisks to all of this right because let's just say Mm -hmm. for example a mom has a kid and is not in the right place, whether that's because of a drug problem or a money problem or who knows what. Like, mm-hmm. maybe having a year away gives them the opportunity to set themselves up for success so that then they are in a much better place to then care for their baby if they truly want their baby. Mm-hmm. But on the other end, I'm like, but man, I know that that baby is a baby and won't really know what's going on. But like, is that true for older kids? Like, can you technically put your child into the foster system and then still have a chance to go back, to, you know, get them again for a year if they're like 13 years old? Because that would be traumatic for the kid. Right? Yeah. And that was kind of the same thing I was thinking is like, that's just a long time. Like, maybe at one year old, they're not performing enough of a memory mm-hmm. or something, but maybe there's a sensory memory in there. And then, yeah, like, yeah. if they get older, like, if they're, you know, maybe two by the time the paperwork goes through, or God forbid, yeah, they're 11 and their mom can just be like, I can't take care of you right now. Like, mm-hmm. but putting that in this scene opens it up so that there is a chance for things to change. Like Kelly is not just handing this baby off to Pam and we're not going to see it again. There is a chance that Leanne, the baby, Kelly, all of this could come back. Yep. It's like that's what they're setting up. Yep. This well, story to, jumps around so much. It does. And I, I have one last thing to add. Like this is a this is yes. a moment where she flip-flops. Like where suddenly now that the baby, you know, is going to go into foster and into the child welfare system, now all of a sudden Kelly's like flip-flopping from the rights of the parent to now thinking what's best for the kid when just a scene ago when she was at Leanne's house, she was all about the the like, you just, you need to take this baby. Like, you're its mother. This is your mm-hmm. right and all that. And I'm like, okay, Kelly clearly just doesn't know what side she's on. Like, what she's just acting by whatever she feels in that moment. And so mm-hmm. it was just hard to get on board with her this episode. It was so hard. It was really hard to get on board with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me ask you about this. Cause the next scene is where Val comes to see David at this other club where they're setting everything up and he kind of tells her about what Brandon's doing, but then they keep having this conversation where she's still not ready to be physically intimate with him again And, like, even kissing, really. She's just uncomfortable, and she wants to know what happened that night. And David's kind of saying, like, there's only one person that can really tell you what happened. And who did you think he was talking about? I'm very curious. I don't know. Because, like, 
I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like the the answer, which it is later, is Ja or is Noah. But Noah's so drunk in that moment. So like the only person that could really tell them everything up until the door Mm -hmm. would have been Josh. Exactly. And I'm trying to – where did – I lost my place in my notes because I wrote something down about that. Um, Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, because I panicked. On the one hand, I panicked because I'm like, oh, no, she's going to have to see Josh again because I think Mm -hmm. in that moment I was like, well, it's Josh. But then – yeah. I'm also thinking, but Josh isn't in the in any more episodes, so is he talking about Noah? So that's why I was like, I don't know. But then I had a third thought that was like, wait, that would be a fantastic scene to have Val confront Josh in a jail setting. I mean, God, emotional and traumatic, but it would have been a great you, scene knowing what we know. Yeah, she could have done it and then like given – this this would be great because yeah, given the way that they ended Josh, where he like just yeah. turned into a little scaredy pants, like yes, yes, she exactly. could crush him like a bug. Well, and maybe, and that's a good point too, because maybe if that scene had gone differently and he didn't turn into kind of like this scared little boy when confronted about the rehypnol, and he had been the psychopath that we thought he really was, then that would have almost been a turning point. And Josh in the in the jail cell or wherever she would see him, he would be full psychopath, right? Like he would be full evil. And I'm just thinking, I'm remembering a specific scene in One Tree Hill. So those of you out there who listen or who watch One Tree Hill know what I'm talking about when Peyton goes to see Psycho Derek in the prison. Like I'm I'm envisioning this just like evil evil josh and val just getting to like dress him down basically Mm -hmm. and get the closure that she needs right yeah i mean that that was the biggest thing that i came down Mm -hmm. to was like if if her thing is that she doesn't feel like she'll be okay until she knows what happened that night then as long as she talks to somebody in a safe manner to figure it Mm -hmm. out that i'm okay Mm -hmm. with it but like I was so nervous in the scene. I was like, who is he talking about? What are we doing? I know. I know. Same here. I, I got very nervous. Yeah. It was just a lot. And I'm going to skip ahead to that night when David's actually performing because okay. like, it's yeah. got both of them. David's performing. Val is sitting with Frank. And I noticed a lot of times – that Val always has, like, in night scenes, she keeps having a drink with her. So she had, like, a beer when they were at the bungalow. Mm-hmm. She has a glass of wine here. And I just – I don't know. It it feels like I would be nervous around drinks for a little yeah. while. So I just kept seeing them. Like, it has yeah. nothing to do with her. She's clearly okay or, like, not touching a drink when she doesn't want to. But I just – it bothered me. But – What's more important is while David is on stage, this girl falls and for some reason like everybody is dancing really intensely and they don't notice her fall and somebody steps on her and hurts her and David like stops everything and jumps down to like fully cover her body on the ground. Yeah. So two things on that. Number one, like to your point about Val with her drinks, 
I thought the exact same thing. Not I didn't clock it with the beer with David at the bungalow, but here I also was looking at the position. And this could have just been blocking and just positioning, whatever. But the they both had it was Frank and Val. They both had a glass of wine. Val's was a white wine. His was red wine or champagne or something. And mm-hmm. the two glasses were to me too close to Frank and not Val. Like I was like Val's mm. Val's glass is not close enough to her because so. I panicked and had the same thought you did. I'm like, I focused on it. My eyes went to the fact that they had drinks. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no, Val's not comfortable. But she never acted like it. So I'm like, okay, I guess it's just me. Mm -hmm. Which was so fascinating. It was was just weird to have those thoughts. Right? Like, sometimes I feel like we're too sensitive. But at this point, if we're both having the exact same thought, I'm like, okay, maybe, (laughs) maybe we're real. Yeah, exactly. And then the second thing, so about the David tackling, not tackling, but going (laughs) to this person, I was like, am I reading way too much into this? Or is this David's reaction to not being there to protect Belle, that he feels like he needs to protect this person because he is seeing her hurt and nobody do anything about it. So he that's why he has that reaction to just jump to. I don't know why he laid on top of her. I didn't get that. I wrote down mm-hmm. um, the girl with the tummy autograph is there and gets knocked down in the crowd. And David completely stops the show to lay on top of her to protect her. This is an interesting reaction. Like, I was hoping we would get more from that. But it literally was just... David laying on top Just of the tummy girl. He's like, guys, you're not trampling her right. This is how you do it. Right? <laughs> I mean, truly, like, you already stopped the show. You don't have to lay on the ground anymore. Yeah. I Just pick her I up. Just, would it I not like, have been more like, effective to just be like, hey, guys, help her up? Right. Like, make like, a with the microphone. So she can I've get seen up. this yeah. happen, like, at shows before where somebody yes. falls down and the singer or whoever just says, hey, help them up really quick. They're, they fell. Yep. Get, get them up. Make sure they're okay. And then keep going. Yep. Exactly. And, like, maybe there wasn't – like, maybe that didn't happen a lot. Or, or the artists, like, you know, don't – at the time didn't feel empowered to do that. I don't know. But it, I was just, like – Afterwards, I was like, there's a deleted scene somewhere of David processing something and telling Val or and or Frank why he reacted the way he did. There had to be like based on the reaction, I was like, there's something missing. Yeah, well, so there's actually like a lot of David for a little bit. So I kind of feel like we should go ahead and keep talking about them because like, yeah, this is the point where Brandon has written the story about uh, the, what is it called? The Paola. I don't know yeah. why. I think that's a very interesting name. I didn't but love it. And I don't know where I didn't, it came from. I did Google it. It's like back from the 30s. It's been around for oh. a while. And it's it's literally this. It is paying the radio to play your music rather oh. than other people's. Yeah. Okay. Which, again, like really feels like it was a bigger issue in the 30s than in the 90s. But okay. Mm-hmm. But Steve doesn't really see the dilemma of what's going on 
with this payola scheme. And he's like, I'm not going to run the story because David's my yeah. friend. And all I wrote in my notes was Steve should not own a newspaper. <laughs> right? He knows nothing about how to own, manage, and run a newspaper. Yeah. Like, he accuses Brandon of being jealous of David's fame, at which point I was like, well, that's going to work and Brandon's yeah. <laughs> not going to run it. <laughs> like, yeah. Steve knows this. That's why he said it. And then another letter from Jill comes. Steve realizes he has to tell Jill who he is, whatever. I hate it. I hate it. But the next morning, so David goes to see Frank in his office, which is just this gigantic office. Mm -hmm. And Frank has learned that this girl officially broke her arm and he's elated by it. And this is when David is just like, why are you so happy about this publicity? Like she got really hurt. Yeah. But it does prompt him to ask Frank to admit to paying off the radio station. And Frank is just like completely unfazed. He's just like, no, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I did it. Like I was literally mm -hmm. in charge of publicity. I literally told you the day I met you that I was responsible for putting your song on the radio. Yeah. And so David quits music again. <laughs> For what? The fourth time now? I've honestly lost track. It's so many times. So many times. But like he goes presumably straight to the Beverly Beat where he knows that Brandon's been working on this story. And he asks Brandon why he didn't run it. And this is when mm -hmm. Brandon's like, I got my priorities straight because my friend emotionally manipulated me into not running it by making me think I'm jealous of you. <laughs> he didn't say all that stuff. I said that. But where's um, the lie? <laughs> it's so true. I mean, come on. Because then David is just like, no, run the story. Let people learn from my mistakes that, you know, this meteoric rise to the top is just <laughs> not what it seems. It's just so funny that like it's it's like the boldness to assume how important everybody is to the world, you know, like and that this Beverly Beat newspaper is just the circulation is so wide that it's going to impact so many people. And I'm not trying to say like small papers can't do big things because that is that would mm -hmm. be incredibly like um, obtuse of me to say that. But like. I, I it just I think we've said it before about this show existing kind of like or at least the people in the show existing in a vacuum and like that their universe is so tiny like maybe they really do have an impact on their own little bubble um but it's just the boldness to assume that anybody would care <laughs> like every time they are so self-important yeah exactly and it's just so funny to me like David thinks that him getting out of the music business for the fourth, twelfth, who knows how many times mm -hmm. is the big mm -hmm. story here. Like, no, mm -hmm. we've literally, like, hand-waved it before. Like, yeah, no one cares. Exactly. But while all of that is happening, Donna is back at the beach apartment. She is, you know, convinced dad that she doesn't need to go home. She's going to go to her apartment. And then, like, Okay, this drawer is in the living room, right? Like, mm -hmm. she immediately reaches into a drawer and pulls out pills. Yeah. And, like, okay, I know Kelly is carrying a baby around. 
but you should really look th- look for this stuff. Like somebody right. needs to come to this apartment and make sure that Donna doesn't have more pills. And it should probably be Kelly that knows all the hiding places from when she hid her coke everywhere. That or David, which I know he's preoccupied, Who- but like literally there have been so many people in this group now that have dealt with drugs that one of them should have known. I mean, even like to some degree, Noah if only because, like, he's the one taking – he he's, like, being an active participant in her recovery. So mm-hmm. – or Dr. Dad. I, I don't know. They could have made it a game. They could have had all of the former addicts go through the apartment and find all the hiding spots and see who picked up the most pills. <laughs> yeah. Just put a competition around it. Then they'll be invested. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But she's home, and Noah does show up when she's got the pills. I love that he she opens the door, and she's like, what? And then he just walks in, and nobody shuts the door again. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, very concerned about her. She snaps at him that she got fired, and yeah. he refuses to leave. He's He says, I'm not leaving until you give up the pills. So she literally puts pills in his hands, and he's like, no, I meant, like, you know, get through all your withdrawal systems symptoms. I'm here for four days. Yeah. And then he flushes all the pills down the drain. Which I don't know about all sinks, but the only thing I thought of when he was putting them down the sink is the um the drain in those t- and typically those types of sinks are the one with the little like three holes, you know what I'm talking about? And so like cuz there's no garbage disposal, so you can't it stops you from putting food down the drain. So I'm like did those just go clack, 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 and, like, <laughs> not actually fit down the drain? <laughs> He's just sitting there with a the water running, trying to, like, let them dissolve enough to like, poke them down into the little holes. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, that was my first thought. I was like, why aren't you flushing them, like, in a toilet? Like... <laughs> I did write that down. I was like, these are horse-sized pills. You're going to be here forever. <laughs> like, she's just going to be like, okay, they're kind of wet now. I'm not upset right? about that. They're still probably effective. <laughs> They'll just kick in faster because they're partially right. dissolved. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. No, it was it was something. And then it kind of like it did kind of feel like we had a time jump because Dr. Dad comes to see yeah. Donna and is like, I'm proud of you for getting through this. And like, okay, so sh- they said it would take about four days for her withdrawal symptoms. So I guess we jumped those four days. That's kind of what I'm assuming. I don't That's, know. That was the only thing I could think too. Cause like it was that and uh, where is it? It was that. And also the fact that the story, like David goes to tell the story, like the sequence of events, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just made me think that there had been at least a couple of days, if not more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it makes more sense that there would be a time jump because the other things that happen, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Steve goes to meet Jill. She's pretty. And so he doesn't tell her that he's Steve. Oh my God. No like, one cares. Well, and as if I couldn't hate this story anymore, Steve just has to be ensorcelled. She's like, oh, I hope she's ugly, as if that is the only thing that matters, right? And Mm -hmm. then the fact that she's not causes him to continue to lie. Like, okay, because this could potentially work out in my favor, I'm going to just lie to you. 
when he could have literally been like, hey, I'm not Ted. My name is Steve. I, I got Ted's mail and opened the mail and read it and learned about you. I'm really interested in you, but I'm sorry I'm not Ted. Like, literally, I actually think Joe would have been like, that's really weird, but maybe? I would have loved it that happened. Because, like, right? yeah, you got to shoot your shot now. Because if you try and shoot it after you've pretended to be Ted, not Steve, for a day, mm-hmm. it's not going to go. Exactly. No. I think the time jump also makes sense. Because the other big scene we have now is when Val goes to see Noah to ask him mm-hmm. about what happened that night. And she does say, she's like, look, I've had, we've had all these mixed up stories from lawyers and from Josh trying to get out of being in trouble. Like, will you just tell me what happened? Mm-hmm. And so she says she wants to know that she invited it and that it was her fault. And I about cried when she said oh, that. Right? That's what I'm telling you. Like, she delivers. That was horrible. And it just kind of goes from there where Noah says that, you know, they go up to the office and she pulled him onto the couch. But now he's like, oh, okay, I think you were just stumbling and you needed support. And, oh, God, her response when she's like, oh, I just always want it, right? I'm here for a good time. Like, mm-hmm. I just – her processing and he keeps you know saying all these things that are literally never like you actually came on to me or you kissed me back or you said yes like you none of this it's like oh I kissed you and I thought I saw you smile yeah and she does believe it's not her fault and then she says it's not his fault either and I appreciate the conversation like I don't want to belabor the same points I've been making yeah But it's just so weird that, like, the way we have to write it so that nobody has to be the bad guy. Right. Right. And, like, I guess on the one hand, like, we know Noah never meant any bad intention. Like, we Mm. know his heart in this situation. We know his intentions. Like, he literally – I fully believe in that scenario – that he thought he and Val were on the same page and they were just going to have a good time. That, like, I fully mm. believe that. However, to me, it sets a bad precedent for the real world. Because it's showing people that you can be violated, but it's okay. Like, I, You could have had the worst time and never wanted this to happen and be completely out of control, but because the other person had a good intention or at least didn't have a bad intention, that we can just hand wave it and it's fine. And I don't Mm -hmm. like that. I can agree with, like, two people disagreeing on the – I don't know what word, but, like, I can can understand two people having – disagreements on level of consent right like totally Mm -hmm. get that and having totally different experiences but what I don't like is setting the table where these are now even right like Val not consenting and Noah thinking she did are now equal Mm -hmm. so I don't know what to do with that 
that's the thing. Like, it feels like they did this whole story and then they wanted to give everybody the time to think about it. And then I guess they handled it in a way that I wasn't yeah. expecting or ready for. I don't know. Because it's like everybody does this. Like, the other scenes are that Donna says that she's ready to move on from the trial and the pills so that they can get back together. Mm-hmm. And then David goes home to Val, who wants to celebrate with more mm-hmm. wine, by the way. But mm-hmm. she trusts David, mm-hmm. so, like, yeah, I feel a little better. But at the same time, like, I feel like I'd be drinking, like, closed drinks for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like, if only wine juice boxes existed back in the day, it'd be <laughs> yeah. perfect. Right. But she's set out this dinner to celebrate. She knows that he left the band and that she's proud of him. But then, like, they go back to having their sexual relationship as well. Like, she comes on to him, says that she wants to, and, like, everybody is kind of just Fine. back to normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, I totally understand, too, if, if Val is, like, has genuinely feel, like, she genuinely, bleh, can't talk. She genuinely feels like she has processed this and genuinely wants this because maybe this empowers her. Because mm-hmm. now she's taking back control, right? She is, like, mm-hmm. totally on board with that. It just wouldn't be my take. Like, I think that's the difference. It's, like, personally, I think it's rushing, and I think it's not mm-hmm. – not – it's not right for me. So yeah. if it's right for Val, more power to you, baby. But it's not right for me. Yeah, I completely agree. I think – the show is this weird thing where it is 30 episodes a season, but they rush yeah. things faster than I'm yeah. ready for them to. <laughs> yeah, and for sure. Like, they just, they get me. I don't know what to expect. So even eight years or eight seasons in, I feel like I should be prepared for these things. And then they have <laughs> yeah. an episode and I'm like, I don't know what I did with this. I God. I wrote five pages. I tried. That is like what's so beautiful about TV. Like, it's so great. <laughs> Right? Like, we're so hashtag blessed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I wish I had an amazing segue to get from that to this final scene because it feels like I should. Like, oh. that felt like it should have been something so good. Yeah. Okay. Because this is where – so they're at the beach apartment. Kelly and Brandon are packing up all the baby stuff. And – you know, Kelly brings up when she was pregnant last year. She's like, oh, my gosh, if we had had a baby or when she had been pregnant. I don't remember exactly when it was. But mm-hmm. if she had been able to have the baby, it would have been crawling by now, which is when she starts saying that she's ready to foster a baby. She wants the baby now. Literally, <laughs> I want that baby. <laughs> Brandon says multiple times. He's like, I am not ready for this. But uh-huh. Kelly completely ignores him because she wants – she is – zoning in it's literally leslie nope on the skates cannot focus on anything else except the margaritaville on the table i want that marg it was not meant to be a comedic line at all and god it had me laughing (laughs) because yeah this is like this is supposed to be emotional this is us realizing that kelly's distaste for everything that's happened with pam with leanne not wanting the baby back it all points to her own feelings yes it's supposed, but yeah, just at this point, John had like just walked in the door, but I was just like, this was nothing like the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and like, I think what is interesting too is Kelly actually doesn't ask anything of Brandon in this moment. She's just like, I, this has made me realize I want to be a mom, whether that's Mm. by my own child, a fostered child, an adopted child, I'm ready. She doesn't ask him to be ready in this moment either. She just says, I'm ready. And she wants that baby, that specific baby. (laughs) Which, okay, also, let's talk about how she's not. She got shot six months ago. I know. I know. Her roommate just OD'd. Mm -hmm. Like, she's not in a stable house because she's moving in and out of Brandon's house. Mm -hmm. Like, they would never approve her to be a foster parent. Right, right. She's also only 22. Mm Mm-hmm. She does not make much money. I just... (sighs) You all have not taken into consideration finders keepers. (laughs) (laughs) All's fair and finders keepers. (laughs) No, you don't understand. I called it. I found the baby. I said said dibs. (laughs) I wrote my name on it. You can't take it. Oh, oh, my God. That but presumably, <laughs> yeah, presumably next week we will open up on Kelly trying to get a baby, which I cannot <laughs> even imagine. Um, so so until then, what do you guys have – do we have a quote of the week? Um, yeah, and it's like – doesn't it, the tone's so different, so I'll just reveal it. It's like pretty much okay. Val, like the entire time when she said like how come I – can't forget a night I never like I don't remember and then Mm -hmm. um there was one more from Val that I wrote down to maybe I didn't write it down I don't think I wrote down the exact quote but it was just like pretty much anytime Val was processing that I I would say that's Mm -hmm. my quotes those are my quotes of the week I think we had the same brain this week Caitlin because Valerie is my moment of the week and this is literally a moment that's like Within the first six minutes of this episode. Um, And it's when Val says to Noah, I think I owe you an apology, but then I think for what? Yes. And Mm. this is my favorite thing that's ever happened in this show, I think. Well, at least in the storyline. This is like a moment that encapsulates like everything from the Mm -hmm. past several episodes. And that is because... She delivers this fucking blow so gently and softly. And also, it's an acknowledgement that her feelings about the entire situation are completely valid, including acknowledging her sympathy for Noah that somebody that she loved is trapped in this really shitty situation with her, but while also holding him accountable for his Mm. actions Mm. and... That was just really fucking powerful. So good job, writers. Right? And 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 well done, Tiffany, for delivering it the way I think it was supposed to be intended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. so impactful. It was like, so it, good. Yeah. It made me feel things and distracted me from the rest of the – from most of the rest of the episode because I'm like – it's, it's, it's very much like the – Anytime Brenda would have an emotional moment, how it just stole the episode. It mm-hmm. just, it, yeah, it was so impactful, so good, brilliant, just well done. How did Tiffany 
not go on to just do major motion pictures and like win all the Emmys and the Oscars and the ugh, I want it all for her. I truly think that like you know, this was part of the time where like TV and movies yeah. you didn't really like make the jumps between the other, the two. Yep. So I think like Tiffany at this point if she was like just starting her career cuz I don't think she really acts that much anymore. I don't know. I don't really Not keep as up much. with her career. Not as much. Yeah. But if she had been like at the peak of her career, like 90210 in now times, she would be like a streaming starlet. She'd be in like everything oh, yeah. HBO. I think I think you're right. I really think so. Yeah, it's like a it's like a product of the times for her. Yeah. Yeah, there was just like it was so hard to switch between like network television and just cable television and movies yeah. and all of that. I think that's why yep. so many of them did TV movies. Oh, it makes me want to rewatch White Collar. She has like not the biggest role in that show, but she's in it. So that's all I care about. <laughs> I and mean, that was a damn if good it's connected show. to the universe, if yeah. it's connected to the universe, we could watch it. Oh. It was a pretty like it is not a teen drama like it is a crime procedural ish. Oh, but I love a crime procedural ish. Well, and it was on it was on USA, so it's not like a NCIS vibe, right? Like it's it's, it's a monk or a psych. Yes, and it's got Matt Bomer, and he is freaking pretty. So, oh my god, he's so beautiful. It's unfair. Okay, so. <laughs> What is next week's episode called? Okay. Please tell me baby is in the name. Uh, is in the name? Um, Let's see. Sort of. Uh, <laughs> next week we have season eight, episode 24, The Nature of Nurture. Okay. Yeah. That's so fair. You can see where I, I got there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can follow it. I can pick up what you're putting down. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll find out what that is next week. But before then, before I you know do our sign off and everything, I do want to address the tweet. Oh, and the email. Yes, and the email because we got a tweet and we're so – is it a tweet? Is it an X? Is it – what is it? I'm saying tweet. Tweet forever. Okay. Tweet forever. I mean, I'm still on it. I'm still on X. I will be there until it literally melts off the face of the internet. Yep. But so we had a tweet from Andrea Zuckerman saying, you're giving David a pass on giving props to the entire hip-hop nation during his mouthwash acceptance speech? Y'all are getting soft on me. Fair. It is so fair. fair. So fair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to just – Love David for who he is. It just that was not hip hop though. What he sang today wasn't not no. it. But like I feel I yeah, I do feel like we're going soft because we're just like, this is just who David is now. Like we've just accepted I th- it. <laughs> I'd I'd like to say that we were so distracted by everything else going on yeah. that we just couldn't focus on it. But I will give us a pass for us not saying anything about it because he said it to his bathroom mirror and not any actual people. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think we can also get back to the fact that this is the whitest show on the planet. So even <laughs> if he said it to other people, no one would have batted an eye. 
no not at all not at all oh my gosh and then yeah we also got an email yeah um i have it pulled up okay perfect so our dear listener our dear and loyal listener derek J reached out to us um, after our little tiny break that wasn't so tiny Um, and he (laughs) said just wanted to say welcome back from your break ladies glad to hear your voices again and I hope the time away allowed you guys to take care of yourselves Um, and he sent a follow-up so I'll get to that in a second but wanted to just address that and say thank you Derek that was so sweet of you to say and yes I do feel like we were able to have a nice little break get refreshed um, have some good good mental health like you know breaks and relaxing moments and things like that so i appreciate that um mm-hmm. and then he sent a follow-up episode that's or episode uh email that said finish the episode of course i heard you guys mention the 90210 subreddit and posted about the situation the amount of people defending steve and kelly because of val lying is ridiculous here take a look and he sent the li- the link to the subreddit post about that i have not gone through it yet because i need to make sure i'm in the right headspace to get mad (laughs) but yeah i gotta tell you like i have gone through a lot of it and it is really it is so fascinating how this story really drives people in different directions like there is definitely some people in here pointing out that val's history is exactly what they said it was and that she's a liar and you're not going to jump to the conclusion of believing the victim or even entertaining the victim's story. Yeah. But like, man, I just, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not prepared to go through it all yet. I will eventually because there's a lot of comments in this subreddit, which is, or in this post, which is just like, I, I kind of love. Ooh, this is a good one. There, there's a comment in here. I'm going back through just to refresh my memory on this thread. Yeah. There is a comment that Kelly and Steve are back in familiar territory because they did the same thing to Brenda with Roy Randolph. When everyone thought Brenda slept her way into Cat on a Hot Tin oh. Roof, Steve sided with Laura. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I need – I wish I didn't care about spoilers because I would just fall into rabbit holes in this subreddit. I have to be so careful in here, and now I don't want to be. Okay, so I have a hot take. That is just brilliant. Does the writer's room or whoever have a problem with brunette women? I mean... Think about it. Kelly, Donna? They get the benefit of the doubt. Granted, Donna is an angel on earth if ever we met one, but... And they made her hair like, red. True. <laughs> so it's like Brenda and Val have been the only brunettes of the main cast. And they're getting similar treatment. I mean, there has to be something about like, yeah, personal preference to certain people versus others. There has to be. Because it kind of goes back to the same thing of like, Brandon gets to be golden boy and Steve just has like Steve has multiple scenarios where he sides with the wrong person against his friend. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, this is the other thing. This is why I can't get off any social media because every now and then people come on Twitter and Reddit and just like, give me exactly what I need. I'm just like, I have to be here. I have to be here forever. 
I love this one comment. I scrolled to the very, very bottom of all the comments, and this one comment was like, I watched the court scene multiple times. I even rewinded like six times once. It makes no sense how they figured out it was Noah's brother. Obviously, it was. It just made no sense. <laughs> that is exactly how I felt when I wa- I'm like, how did they get from point A to point B? Because <laughs> Josh is walking around being like, yeah, I sell drugs. And everyone's like, that's good for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Oh, my God. I love it. Keep Keep pointing it out. Keep adding to our conversations. Keep us honest. Yeah. Don't let us get soft. Don't let eight years of 90210 <laughs> episodes drag us down. We right. can do it. <laughs> and we'll do it again next week. So until then, you can follow us on Instagram and I guess Twitter because we do still check it, but we're not very active. <laughs> at Back to Podcast. And you can also keep sending us your emails if you've got comments, questions, little fun facts, anything you want to talk about. We love hearing it. Um, you can do that at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. Like you don't know. <laughs> and don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and help us build a community, give y'all a better podcast. And if you give us a review in Apple, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to commit a felony and read this cinnamon scented mail. I'm going to just magically stumble into my next uh, mode of of, logis- of lodging and stumble into a two year lease at a nice little bungalow. And I want that baby. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Yeah.